Good morning. We want to acknowledge again to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. All that we have and all that we are, we owe to the great God of heaven who does all things well. We are able to have a relationship with God uh, in spite of who we are and because of who God is. God is good to everybody. He sends sunshine and the rain on the just and the unjust. But he is especially good uh, to those who are members of the body, for he has placed all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. The psalmist declares in Psalm 73, verse 1, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Aren't you glad that we serve the God who is not only good to us, but the God who is good in and of himself? And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning to Luke chapter 7, the text that was read into our hearing. Uh, We want to read again there in Luke 7, verse number 9. Luke 7, verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Based on the words of the master here in Luke chapter 7, we want to use this morning as a subject, what is great faith? And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Luke chapter 7, I submit to you that it is easier to talk than it is to do. And I know this, number one, because there are more talkers than there are doers. But if there were some quantitative way to measure expertise, I'm sure that we would find that there are more experts in theory than there are experts in practice. And I submit to you that there is a direct correlation between the measure of our faith and the fidelity of our Christian walk. Uh, Let me run a thought question by you here. If the Lord were to offer a commentary on my faith, what would it be? The Lord speaking concerning This Roman soldier says, I have not found so great faith, not even in Israel. And the Bible says here that he marveled at him. And in researching the text, I I ran across one commentator who noted that only two times in Scripture is it said that Jesus marveled or he was astonished. And both times it was in regards to faith or the lack thereof. In Mark chapter 6 and verse number uh, uh, 6, in his own hometown of Nazareth, the Bible says he marveled at their unbelief. But here in the text in Luke 7 and verse number 9, it says he marvels at this Roman centurion because he has not found faith like this even among uh, uh, his own nation. Jesus here marvels 
at the faith of this Roman centurion. And I submit to you that the possibilities of what God may accomplish through us are limitless when we possess faith. Do you remember the declaration of Jesus in Matthew 17, verse number 20? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. When we look at Matthew 17, verse 20, I, I don't believe Jesus was giving his disciples a lesson in how to actually move mountains. Now, now let me say, inasmuch as God created the mountains and set them in place, I, I have no doubt that God could move the mountains if he really wanted to move. But, but, but I think what the Lord was really trying to impress upon us is, is that, Faith in God gives us the wherewithal to overcome the seemingly insurmountable. I don't think God wanted us to go out to a mountain and, and say, I have faith, so this mountain should move. And then when the mountain doesn't move, we, we say, see, I knew it wasn't going anywhere. I, I really don't think that's what God had in mind. When, when he says, uh, 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 if you have faith, nothing will be impossible unto you, he's talking about the possibilities that exist when we operate in agreement with the will of God. If asked, what is faith? I'm sure we could all cite Hebrews 11, verse number 1. You know, that's one of those verses you learn as a kid. Uh, uh, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And perhaps we could even go so far as to document that faith, when it is genuine, manifest itself by works. And, and we could even refer to James. You remember James said that faith without works is dead. And, and every child of God possesses some degree of faith. But, but, but based on what Jesus says here in, in Luke chapter 7, the question this morning is, what is great faith? I, I believe when Jesus talks about this Roman centurion, Jesus is saying there's something about this man that you don't find in just anybody. You know, that there are some things that it doesn't surprise you if you find it in a whole lot of folk. Uh, you know, when you talk about Laurel as a congregation, it's not a big thing if you come to worship service on a regular basis. You know, we just kind of all ought to be past struggling with coming to worship service on a regular basis. That, that, that's basic Christianity. But, but when you talk about living your life sacrificially, now, I think we'd be surprised if you found a large number of folk that live life sacrificially. Now, that's where we ought to be striving to get, but, but you don't find that in just everybody. So when Jesus looks at this centurion, that there's something about this centurion that you don't just find in the average follower of Christ Jesus. When we look at the text here in, in Luke chapter 7, in, in verse number 6, uh, the Bible says, then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends unto him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. I, I, I submit to you, number one this morning, that great faith believes God can and will do great things. Someone has said that religion doesn't become powerful 
until it becomes personal. Now, now you can tweak that however you need to semantically to make it work for you. But, but I believe the premise is true. See, see there's something uh, about, if I can use faith and religion interchangeably, that there's something about faith that, that it really doesn't work for me until it's mine. I, I can't ride on somebody else's faith. I, I, I can't deal with the ups and downs of life based on what you believe. It, Jesus has to be personal to me in order for the power of God to work in my living. See, great faith is not on the order of the sons of Sceva. You remember them in Acts chapter 19 trying to exercise the evil spirit, and they said, we command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, their words tell you, we don't have any first-hand experience with Jesus. But, but Paul evidently seems to think that this Jesus of Nazareth is somebody. And, and so we command you on the basis of what Paul believes. And, and you've, you, you've read the account. You remember what the Bible said. That, that the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them. And them so that they fled the house naked and wounded. Well, well, I submit to you, part of the problem is Jesus wasn't personal for the sons of Sceva. We command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. You know, sometimes we try to live our lives on the order of the sons of Sceva. I, I've heard them talk about Jesus. I haven't really embraced him for myself. But, but, but if you've done things by the power of Jesus, that, that, then I want to invoke the name of Jesus too. See, great faith has great expectations. And, and when I say that, I don't mean expectations in the sense of entitlement, but, but expectations in the sense of hope. See, when I say great faith believes that God can and will do great things, it, not from a selfish perspective, in that I've been baptized and God ought to bless me. You know, like the child who just feels like I ought to get because I asked. But, but great faith believes that God will be faithful. God will honor his promise. God loves me and has my best interest at heart. And so he will do what is best and what is right, not just because he cares about me, but because he is who he is. See, and with faith, faith is not seeing is believing. With faith, believing is seeing. Now, you remember what Hebrews 11.1 1 said? It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not I believe it because God showed it to me. Rather, or rather, I see it, uh, I believe it because I saw it. It's God said so, so therefore it must be true. And when you have faith, faith enables us to enjoy life. You ever notice you see people walking around frustrated and upset and angry and it don't take much to set folk off. You know, you can just turn the news on. And, and, and maybe they put the president on or they put the speaker of the house on. Now, depending on where your, your, your political ideology is, one of those two individuals will set you off. But, but, but if you have faith, see, what you understand is neither one of those individuals is in charge. And for the most part, all any of us runs is our mouths. See, God is in control. So, so it doesn't matter what side of the political coin you're on. It, it doesn't matter what my political ideology is. If I believe that God reigns in the kingdom of men, then you can put on whoever you want to and let them say whatever they want to. 
But, but I, you know, if you, you get too big for yourself, you just ought to remember like Nebuchadnezzar found out. It doesn't matter what political office I hold, God still reigns in the kingdom of men, and God is able to set down or lift up whomever he chooses. See, faith will enable you to enjoy life. See, see yeah, they put them both on, and they both can say what they want to say, and I, you know what? God is in control. Y'all, you don't have to get along, argue with each other. You build the wall, don't build the wall, whatever you want to do. God is in control. See, and faith allows us to have confidence without being misguided. You know, faith is not this prosperity gospel kind of mumbo jumbo. Just, Just everything ought to be good in life because God is good. See, faith doesn't demand problem free living with no worries. You know, you can't even get that in a fairy tale. Yeah, in fairy tale, they talk about they live happily ever after. Did you know that there's another story after Cinderella and Prince Charming, uh, after the first one? Uh, and the one thing they didn't do was live happily ever after. It, that's just trouble in life because we didn't listen to God way back in Genesis chapter 3. See, faith doesn't worry because it embraces that God will preserve me in spite of trouble. Now, you can shut down what you want to. I don't really depend on Uncle Sam for my uh, survival. I I don't depend on Sam for my well-being. Now, it might tighten things up, and I might not eat a meal at my table every night, but but this I know God will provide. Now, now it may not be the provision I've kind of become accustomed to and even take for granted sometimes. You know, we take a lot of things for granted. You know, having my own car, my own house, my own table to sit at and eat my own food that, that I brought with my own money. See, that's just too much buy in there. That, that none of that was really mine. That, that was God allowing me to enjoy what he has created. And sometimes we get so used to God's blessings that we start to think that it really is mine. It, it's not mine, it's God's. And however God decides to bless me, see, when, when I walk by faith, I learn to be satisfied with that. You know, if I have to eat food from somebody else's table, well, well, what universe did I create? Well, what did I really earn by my own strength and my own power? Everything that I enjoy in this life is because of God's grace. See, and because God is who he is, then, then I'm all right with, with however the course of life goes. You know, my prayer is not, Lord, make it what I want it to be. Lord, help me to keep trusting you. See, see, anybody can talk well when things are going well. It's how I talk when things are going south. You remember Job, when things went south in Job's life, first thing out of Job's mouth, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's faith. See, that's understanding. It's not really my stuff to start with. And whatever God is doing, God doesn't owe me an explanation. You know, how are you going to have to come explain to me about you taking your stuff back? That's your stuff. You take it back when you get ready. But great faith. See, not just just, just faith, but great faith believes God is going to do something uh, 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 great in my living. And it doesn't always have to make me smile for it to be great. You know, when God helps me uh, uh, manage a sickness 10, 15 years, and people are encouraged by my example, that's a great thing. Now, now, I'm not signed to suffer like that, and I don't think you are either. But, but great faith says, I, I don't dictate to God how he uses me. And then further there in Luke chapter 7, I, I want to back up to verse number 3. 
And when he heard of Jesus, meaning this centurion, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Not only does great faith believe that God can and will do great things, but great faith does what it can in the accomplishing of great things. See, great faith don't, just don't sit around and wait for God to do everything. See, great faith says, I need to do what God has enabled me to do and then leave all the rest to God. See, this centurion didn't have the power to heal his servant, but he did what he could in that he made an appeal to the one who was able. He, he didn't just sit around and say, well, well, God knows everything and, and he can heal whoever he wants, so he just ought to heal my servant. He sent word to Jesus. Can you help me, please? See, I understand that there are some things in life that are bigger than me. I admit that there are some things in life that I can't handle, but I know you can. He did what he could by appealing to Jesus. See, great faith doesn't sit around waiting for others to act or wishing for a miracle. You ever notice how that sounds if you just stop and look at it in its simplest terms sometime? You ever see somebody pouting? And maybe they pouting, and you ask them, what's wrong? They say, nobody spoke to me. You know, my question is always, well, who did you speak to? See, because communication worked both ways. You know, nobody called me. Well, well, that means you have a phone too, right? So that means just like you can receive a call, you can make a call. We just sit around sometime waiting for God to do something. Well, well you can do something too, can't you? If it's no more than bow your head and pray, you can ask God. You can put an appeal to the one who is able. It takes action. Faith does. Takes action according to what it believes. And faith not only desires help, but it does what it can through obedience to help itself. You ever ask God to bless you? Do you know there's more to being blessed by God than just asking? You know, you just can't say, Lord, bless me to be a, a stronger Christian. Well, now, that's nice. That's a good sentiment, and that's a good thing to pray. But, but what am I going to do to help myself? See, see, if God just zapped you with better Christianity, we'd all be better than we are. But what am I going to do? Am I going to spend some time with the word of God? Am I going to spend some time building relationships with the people of God? Am I going to change my social circle or my habits with the things that draw me away from God? See, if I'm not willing to do what I can to help myself, then there's a question as to the measure of my faith. People ask God for blessings all the time. Lord, bless my marriage. Well, are you going to be kinder to your spouse? Are you going to honor your responsibility in the marriage? I just want them to start doing what they should be doing. See, you're not even living in a fairy tale world when you approach it like that. I don't know any way that that happens. And if one of you do, share it with me, because we need to let some other folk in on the secret. If we want the church to grow, it's good to pray to God that the church will grow. But we need to open our mouths and talk about Jesus to somebody that doesn't know him. See, we need to do what we can to help ourselves and then leave what we can't do to the one who is able to do all things. You know, if you ever read uh, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, notice there's a threefold uh, injunctive there. 
Jesus says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. All of those work together. See, you ask, seek, and knock. In other words, you do what you can to help yourself, and then you leave what you can't do to God. And then third there, in Luke chapter 7, in verse number 10, the Bible says, And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. I submit to you, that great faith is the recipient of great blessings. And when I say that, it presupposes that we know the difference between a blessing and what's not. See, everything that makes me smile is not a blessing. See, if it draws me closer to God, if it helps me walk closer to the Lord, that's a blessing. See, if it just makes me happy, it may or may not be. Because, see, there are some wrong things sometimes that make us happy. We we'll say, I need to change my mind about some things. I know we know how to come into the church building and talk nice. But we need to know the difference between a blessing and is not a blessing. But I submit to you that it's well documented through the Old and New Testaments that God has blessed according to the faith of the individual. Do you remember the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4? Do you remember what she was told in her, condition, in her situation? She had nothing but a little bottle of oil. And Elijah told her, go gather as many vessels as you can. Now, don't get a few, as many as you can. And pour the little oil you have into the vessels. Now, how much oil she ultimately ended up with depended on how many vessels she went out to gather. Now, if she went out and gathered one or two, she would have had a one or two vessel blessing. But she went out and gathered a bunch and that was the size of her blessing. You know, sometimes we just miss things that are just in plain view. Sometimes my blessing is small because my faith is small. You know, God says open a window in heaven. When, that, when he said he, he would open the window, I, God wants to open the window wide. You know, not just crack the window. But sometimes we, we ain't giving God room to work in. You know, Lord, I, I want you to pour out a blessing that I can't hold it, but, but I, I don't want you to open the window all the way. Well, well, how are you supposed to receive a big blessing with a little faith? You know what happens when you get a big blessing with little faith? You become an unfaithful steward. See, God won't give me more than I'll be faithful with. So if I want bigger blessings, guess what I need to do? Grow in my faith. To whom much is given, much is required. See, if I bless you with a lot, guess what? I'm expecting you to do a lot with it. Don't just take it and hoard it to yourself and enjoy it. If I give you much, I expect much. Do you remember the leper in Matthew chapter 8? He asked and he was healed. Now, you could just look at the man and tell he was a leper. You know, leprosy was one of those things you couldn't hide with a little uh, 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 facial cream. Leprosy was one of those things. In fact, you, you couldn't even mix with the, the, the regular part of society if you were a leper. Well, Jesus can look at me and tell I'm a leper. He ought to do something. Well, God could look at any one of us and see we're struggling with something. But what is the measure of my faith? Do I have faith enough to even ask God to help me? Then do I have faith enough to do what I can to help myself? 
See, great faith is the recipient of great blessings. And, and, and I'm persuaded that God blesses us according to the measure of our faith. See, the church of the first century, I believe they were able to do some things that we don't do, not because of the miracles. You know, people won't live right just because they see a miracle. There are too many folk in the New Testament that, that didn't do that. You remember in Acts chapter three, we uh, Acts chapter two rather, we we get hung up sometime on three thousand people obeyed the gospel that one day. I don't know how many folk were there, but I don't think that three thousand was the majority part of the crowd. And didn't they see a miracle? They marveled at it. Look, we hear everybody in our own language, and, and those are ignorant and unlearned men. You know, if just seeing a miracle would uh, convert folk. We'd have more folk in this audience now than we do. And you know, when you look in this audience, I see some miraculous things. Some of us, if it wasn't for the gospel of Christ Jesus, I don't think there's any way we'd be sitting in the same room working for the same thing. Just different walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds. We may have never even met. I think that's pretty miraculous that you could have a body like this come together in the name of Jesus. And lay aside all the things that would normally divide us because we understand the gospel of Christ Jesus is the most important thing. You know, we're not going to be divided by political ideology. We're not going to be divided by the fact that most of y'all root for the wrong teams in baseball season and football season. The gospel of Christ Jesus takes preeminence. He says to Jesus, you don't even have to come see my servant. See, I understand something about authority. When I tell my soldiers to do something, they do it. I don't even have to check behind them. That's just the way the authority that I've been given works. And what he's saying to Jesus is, that's how I esteem your authority. You don't have to come see my servant. You just have the authority over sickness, over nature, that if you say something, it will be so. Don't we see that with Jesus in the gospel accounts? Jesus could stand up in a boat and say to the wind and the waves, peace be still. Many of us, we can't even get our children to listen. Jesus talking to things that don't hear. They're inanimate. And they obey his voice. If he could tell the wind and the waves, peace be still. If God could stand up in the nothingness of eternity and say, let there be, and there was. Then what is it that I deal with or what is it that I go through that God can't handle? But my experience is going to be based on my faith in God. If I don't trust God much, I ought not have much expectation. And the problem is not that God is not able. He is. God is able. The problem is I'm not willing. I have to accept by faith that God is going to do what needs to be done. Not what I want. Not what makes me happy. But what needs to be done. And I need to learn to embrace and accept that that's the way it needs to be. You know, sometimes God has a different idea about the course of our lives than we do. Anybody in here, your life has worked out exactly the way you thought it would. 
don't know about you. Man, I, look, I've just given up. You know what? I, I, just, I understand now. God is just going to do with you what God wants to do. You can make plans, but guess what? And I'm not saying don't make plans. But your plans are always subject to God's change. And, and I've learned, and when God's going to make a change, you, you can't fight him for trying. And sometimes God just has something different in mind. But my faith is in the fact that whatever God has in mind, God is faithful. I can trust that whatever God is going to do is going to be best and right, and that's the way that it needs to be. God calls us to become his children so that we can have faith in him and just enjoy life. You know, life is meant to be enjoyed. If you're walking around frustrated and stressed out and all of that, you are not living what God intended. God intended for us to enjoy life. It came that we might have life more abundantly. But that starts with having faith in him. That comes from obeying the gospel of Christ Jesus and becoming a child of God and walking by faith so that God can bless us. God calls us through the gospel requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, Romans 10, verse 17. That we believe Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, verse 24. That we be willing to turn from sin, Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5. That we make the confession of faith in Christ, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. And let me be crystal clear, when we get baptized, when we submit to water baptism, that's the start of the Christian journey. Now, you don't get baptized and go home and wait for Jesus to come back again. <laughs> when I obey the gospel, God adds me to the church, washes my sins away, and indwells me with his spirit. But the expectation is that I will walk worthy as a child of God and live a life that brings glory to him however long God blesses me to be on this time side of life. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, you want the church to pray for you, and if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs>